Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. I'm your host, Luke, and co-hosting today, Carter is sitting at prom, hanging out with all his high school kids. So I've got Garrett in the seat. What's up, Garrett? Hey, buddy. How are we doing today? Doing good. I'm just super stoked for for our guest, both both uh, personally and professionally. I'm happy to introduce Brandon Waddell. What's going on, Brandon? Oh, man. Just uh, watching a snowstorm outside and, and uh, happy to be sitting in a warm house talking to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Brandon is the CEO and founder of the Mountain Archery Fest, which is a 3D archery shoot that happens all across the United States. And it's been really cool to kind of see it grow from a distance. And then this year, Hunt Lift Eats can actually be able to start our relationship getting, you know, front and center. So, you know, we can go ahead and kick this off, Brandon, with just getting a little bit of background of you, your journey into hunting, business, and, you know, the full deal. Well, let's see, a little background on me, uh, 52 years old, live in Durango, Colorado. And, um, you know, I grew up in the front range of Colorado, then moved into Southwest Colorado when I was about 11 years old. And, you know, coming here was uh, quite a change from being in the city to getting into the real outdoors. I mean, the gateway of the Southwest down here is pretty epic. You can do anything you want here. Um, you know, we get epic snow. Uh, then you can drive 40 miles south. You're in the banana belt. So we got great water skiing down south, great snow skiing up north, killer hunting here, amazing gold water fishing, killer rafting, rock climbing. Um, I mean, it's a mecca of outdoors and fun. You know, uh, Purgatory was the first place to have the World Mountain Bike Championships in 91. So that was pretty rad when it came here. Um, so I've lived here quite a while. Uh, Moved away shortly after I turned uh, 20 to Tucson, went to school down there to become a fireman. And uh, in the meantime, I was uh, working at a steakhouse here called the Ore House in Durango before I left. And so I had a good culinary background. And, and then I uh, quickly found out when I was close to graduating college that I wouldn't get to really work for anybody because I broke my back skiing at Purgatory when I was 18 years old. So insurance wise, they wouldn't take me. So uh, pretty distraught from that, I ended up going back and a chef I was working for there, Marianne Baines took me under her wing and turned me into a great chef. And I spent 15 years as a chef in that industry and had a great time, owned some of my own restaurants, did big caterings for like the 96 Super Bowl. I cooked paella for 2000 people on a 20 foot paella pan in the 50 yard line and listen to Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, on stage, if that doesn't kind of date me a little, uh, so, uh, just a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit, right. He calls himself by his real name now, I think. Yeah, he's in country music now. Yeah. And he sings country music now. I can't remember his name, but anyway, Darius uh, Rucker. there it is. There it is. Um, uh, so then, uh, that, you know, I kind of, I went to San Diego, did some of that work and then I ended up coming back home to Durango and, um, I became a trucker when I got back here, owned my own business, doing water hauling for 18 years, uh, owned part of, right before that, I was part of a, a portable restroom company called Bob's Johns. And I did all the special event work for them. So I hauled trailers all over the Southwest, to like Telluride, Blues and Brews and motorcycle festival rallies and um, Jeep fests and uh, you name it. I mean, just big stuff. Um, and uh, 
So from there, I went into water hauling and did that for about 18 years. In fact, that kind of overlaps into, you know, into where we're at with Mountain Archery Fest at this point. Um, but, you know, uh, I didn't start hunting really until about 15 years ago, 14, 15 years ago. Um, you know, my dad took me fishing a ton. My mom was a killer backpacker, quite an outdoors woman too, but no hunting in my world whatsoever. Um, so, you know, I bought this awesome property out in Hesperus and, um, it sat there for about three years and it's in a great corridor for a killer elk herd, but they don't really stick around where at my house, they kind of pass through, but we had great bucks, man, great deer all over the place. I mean, it's lowland, flatland, farmland. I mean, the oats and sorghum and soybeans and, you know, and they just get fat and big. Um, and so I was at the barber shop one day and I ran and, and I met, I'd known this guy named Tommy Romero, but I kind of officially got to meet him. And Tommy Romero had a tag out in 741 where my house is at. There's only about 10% of that unit is, is public land. Okay. So it's not ideal tag to have before they put this reservoir in, up here, Lake Nighthorse, there was a couple extra thousand acres up there, and it was a great spot, dude. Elk sat in there, lions, bears, deer, turkeys. I mean, it was like, and literally it wasn't even a mile out of town, just over this ridge, and them elk just lived there. Um, and so, anyway, Tommy was struggling a little bit, and I was like, well, I got deer at my house, you know? So why don't you come out and shoot a buck? And I think he had like a second or third rifle tag or something like that. And we weren't out there half an hour and he shoots himself a dandy, you know, a good one, 71, 80 buck. And, and, uh, we get it back and we hang it up in the meat locker that I had. And, and, um, it was kind of on the property when I bought it, it was like basically this old horse shower stall, but it was, it was walls that were 20, 12 inch thick concrete all the way around it and insulated top and, and it had a drain in it. And so we just kind of put plywood over the door and we put animals in there. And after that, he was like, you're going to shoot a bow. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, I used to shoot bows in boy Scouts, man. I was like, I was pretty good at that shit. You know, like, you know, those little fiberglass bows, you know, and you're launching 50 inch arrows out of those little things or whatever they were. It seemed like they were as long as could be. And, uh, so anyways, like I, I got this bow, man, and you should try it out. And I was like, all right. So he gets out a little foam block target and sets it up on a 55-gallon drum. And we step back to about 20 yards, he says, you know. And he's like, yeah, you know. He's like, pull it back. See if you can pull it back. And so I pulled it back, no problem. And uh, he, uh, you know, I was kind of looking at it. He's like, dude, it, like, fits you perfect. He's like, you must have, like, the same draw length as me. And I'm like, what? He's all draw length. It's like, you know, it's just the length of you that you draw your bow. You know, it's a, just a term. And I was like, okay. And so I'm sitting in this thing and anchoring in this little wrist rocket he's got. And, and I can't quite see through the peep though. You know, like I, I kind of could, but it wasn't quite the right height. And so I, uh, uh, I shot some arrows through that at that target. And, uh, you know, and I was like, I got in about the second or third round. I started getting a little comfortable in it. And, Next thing I know, it was like I could hear him talking, but I was so focused on this 
fucking bow. Dude, I mean, like, making this great shot. that It was just like, wah, 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 wah. Like, he just turned into, like, peanuts action behind me because I was, I, uh, yeah, I just was so focused. I wasn't even listening to him anymore. And I was like, wow, this is freaking cool, man. Like, this is really neat, you know. And uh, I kind of noticed that the world kind of stopped. And I was in my own little world shooting this bow. And I fell in love, man. I mean, and, and it was like, um, you know, I, I used to tell people before I shot a bow that there's only two places the world spun without me. Okay. And that was when I was riding my Harley or riding my wife. Plain and simple. It was one of the, that was the only two places <laughs> the world spun without me. And now I felt like I found something that really fed me. Um, really gave me a, 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 a place to be mentally. And uh, so lo and behold, uh, wasn't about two weeks later, I had a guy that was like, my cousin was like, I got this friend, he's getting rid of this bow. You want to buy it? And I was like, well, yeah, let's check it out. And I don't even remember what it was. I have people ask me that all the time. Like, what was your first bow? I'm like, I don't even remember. It was a Matthews something. Okay, but I, it was old. I'll just give you that. It was ancient technology. But I bought this thing and and I shot it for about 30 days. And I was like, no, okay. I'm ready to step it up, man. I want something new. Um, so then I went down and bought a used bow on consignment at Goods for the Woods. And, uh, and I shot it about a month. And then a good friend of mine, Dennis Howell, who is one hell of a hunter. I mean, he's been on the front of bow hunter magazine two or three times. He's a guy that lives south of where I live and I'd met him delivering water and he had known I got into archery. He was pretty stoked for me and he shot for Hoyt and prime sent him a couple bows trying to steal him away. And so he had these bows and he was like, Nope, <clears throat> Nope. I'll never leave Hoyt. You can forget it. Not a chance in hell. So he called me up and said, I'll get you one of these bows. Give me 400 bucks. So I was like, heck yeah. So I went down 400 bucks, had myself a brand new Synergy, I think is what it was. And uh, the first year they came out with the double cam, you know, on the bottom of the top, the dual string deal. And and I got that and, and man, I started hunting like that next. So that was like basically spring and I shot, shot, shot every day. And I just started geeking out, gearing out like you wouldn't believe on everything archery. I mean, it was just, I, I couldn't get enough of it. Reading every magazine, shooting as much as I could. Um, and then I I ended up applying for some tags. And uh, yeah, it didn't go so well. Uh, <laughs> the first so how couple, old were you at this point? Like 38? Like yeah, 30s? yeah, yeah, about 38, 39 years old. Yeah. Um, you That's know, awesome because I, I know a lot of our listeners can completely relate to that. We've got several folks who, you know, I think Carter calls it like adult onset hunting, but it, older folks that, you know, typically you see hunters that get into it when they're like 12, you know, but then you also, especially within, I think it's more and more common now. COVID was a big catalyst for that, but there's more and more folks that are wanting to get into it. And it's cool to, you know, hear that and like you're obviously an accomplished hunter started your own business but you didn't get even shoot a bow really outside of boy scouts until you're 
in your mid to late thirties. So that's badass. Yeah. I mean, I was growing on 40 years old pretty quick when I was, you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, and it was a cool experience in the beginning. I mean, I shot, I shot league, you know, in the winter time for a couple of winters and, um, and I went out with Tommy, I went out with Dennis, I went out with other hunters, you know, and just kind of shadowed them, um, learn some of their tactics, how they approach, how they stock, how they think about North slope, South slope, feeding, bedding, um, you know, rutting, or not even rutting, rutting grounds, I guess, to some degree, but really more or less, um, lower elevations where they're calving and fawning and just really learning, you know, how these animals even work, you know, like I had no clue. I mean, I was getting pretty proficient at shooting my bow. There was no doubt about it. I mean, I was getting pretty good, um, but I just didn't have the, you know, the uh, finesse in the woods, you know, I, um, and so it took me a little while to kind of come around and learn a little bit of that, you know, and the first buck I killed out in, at my house took me, it took me three years of hunting that buck two two solid seasons and then i got him the second day of opening se opening season on the third year um and uh we he was it was like playing chess you know especially when you when you've got a target buck you know that's what that's what i learned is like when you got a target buck and you're working and you're working properties i mean he would come to my house occasionally but I was able to hunt another 300 next to me and another 80 next to me. And, but he kind of did his thing. Like he, he was, he was like a ghost. Um, and I would just catch him by chance, you know? Um, and you know, and I had some, I had a one stock I was putting on this one time. They were on this, I'd seen him and I was working off this ridge to go down the Canyon to kind of come up another you know, ridge line out. And I was coming down this ridge line and, one of the neighbors to the south of this property I could hunt on, she just comes like walking up to me. She's like just walking her dogs on someone else's property, like just going for, you know, going for broke. And she literally walks up to me. She's like, Brandon, hey, Brandon, what are you doing? And I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, can you not tell what I'm doing? I'm in full camo. I have a bow in my hands. Like I'm hunting. And she's like, hunting what? And I'm like, deer. And she's like, where? And I'm like, well, they were over there <laughs> now they're gone. Um, you know, so all sorts of situations happened. I mean, I was, had this buck once on a big, big oak brush. It was probably about 20 yards deep, but you could see through it reasonably well. And, um, and he was on one side and I was on the other. And we had a complete stare down, dude. Like I was going to go one way. He was going to figure out to go a different way. I kind of went one way. He started walking the other way. Finally, I just drew my bow and started running around this thing, thinking I'd catch up to him. And he gave me no, nothing but his ass. And he left straight away from me as fast as he could. And, and then that was the last time I saw him in that second year. And then um, that third year, I ended up hammering him. Um, he came off of a pond um, and I had set up a blind over in the corner of my property. And he came off and he'd been coming up and finding a little bit of alfalfa that I had in my pasture that was kind of leftovers from when the prior owner was um, raising cattle and, and stuff. And he, man, and, um, and he gave me a, he gave me a 20 yard opportunity. I was damn near asleep. It was like, 
I used to do this shot caught and trap barbecue every year where I used to cook for, you know, all my buddies and friends and give me all this leftover meat at the end of the summer. And I just cook stuff up like crazy with my nephew. And we'd, we'd have like 10 or 12 different dishes of high end killer game meals and a bunch of people come over and then we'd play washers and drink moonshine. And I was so hung over the next day um, from playing washers and drinking a jar. Uh, and I was trying to get away from my kids. My head was pounding. I just went out and sat in this blind and I was just about asleep. And then I heard like hoof prints jump over the fence and I kind of peeked out my blind. He was literally like three yards in front of me and I about pissed myself. Um, and uh, he walked out in front of me and gave me a killer shot, man. And uh, that was, I mean, and then from there, dude, it was game on. Like that adrenaline, that fulfillment of chasing that buck for a few years and finally being patient in the right spot and thinking it through and thinking, you know, one of these days, I mean, I'd had him on camera um, multiple, multiple times, but never in daylight, ever, ever. And he came over with about five minutes left of shooting light um, in front of me. And I got, and I got lucky. I smoked it. It was sweet. Uh, That's badass. So, so from there, what? Yeah, so that obviously lit the spark, and you just couldn't get enough. So from, you know, you discovering archery, a couple years hunting, no success, which I think is very common for a lot of new hunters, especially ones that start out with archery, right? It's just, it's hunting's hard enough. It's hard enough with a rifle, and then now you could take that distance and cut it into a quarter. It's even harder. So that's right. That's definitely, everyone can relate to that, but what was that journey then to taking on something as large as deciding to start a 3d archery course that eventually would go nationwide? Well, um, you know, there was, there was some time in there where I ended up going and doing some other events, like some athletic events. You know, I found myself doing a hunt a couple of years after that on some elk and, and, um, I found myself in a place where my brain and my, heart and my soul wanted to be, but my body couldn't handle it. And, um, I got myself in some trouble on the, on a mountain and, uh, damn near didn't think I could get myself out without like staying the night and resting and regrouping. And cause I had, um, physically really exerted myself to, to point of no return almost. It seemed like in my, in my mind. And, uh, so I finally kind of got my act together and realized that I was extremely out of shape being a trucker and, uh, uh, and that I needed to kind of change my athletic journey some. So I started working out with my nephew and then, uh, and then a little, then I worked into working out with my son-in-law and then I found train to hunt. And so I started doing, I started training for train to hunt. And so then I started going to these events and competing in these events and it really kind of spurred this competitive notion for me um in the archery world and so i did a few of these events and podiumed a couple times and um and then uh then my hunting success went up dramatically uh because i was really able to 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 hunt at the physical capacity that my heart and soul and my mind thought i could and then it then it started becoming something pretty cool 
but that competitive edge of stuff, um, you know, I started a podcast <clears throat> shortly in that time frame called Wilderness Attitude. <clears throat> and in the process of that, I ended up interviewing Sean DeGray, who's the owner of TAC. And I'd asked him to, to bring the event to Purgatory, Colorado. I was like, it's an epic mountain. It'd be killer. We have tons of archers here in the four corners. And I think that it would do really well. And he was hemmed and hawed, hemmed and hawed. And then finally he's like, no, nah, you know, it's just not close enough to an airport. It's not close enough to a highway. It's not a good business model um, for us to go there. So, you know, I went to a couple tax, tax shoots and you know, I really wanted something closer to where we were in Colorado and he still hadn't had any real Colorado location on his radar yet at that point. And, uh, so me and a friend, Matt Howell, we both talked with Sean about bringing tack down together on the podcast. And, um, and we, you know, I went to a couple tacks, dude, and it was just one of those things where, I have a wife and nine kids and I go there with my buddies and it was just like a sausage fest there, dude. There was no women there. There was no kids there. There was no, you know, all the courses were long and which wasn't a big deal to me, but the shots were all really long. You know, it wasn't just, it was like, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. You know, it was fun. I had a great time. But it just didn't fill, fulfill what I was looking for. And so, you know, I decided to uh, go up. Well, I, I'd kind of beat around the bush a little bit on this idea. And then I had a, a, I had a guy approach me. Um, I was running some train to hunt events at Pope and Young. And, and I was doing some other 3D stuff, helping locally here building courses, doing some stuff. And, um, and then I had a guy reach out to me who was basically wanting to build mountain archery fest, if you will. Um, and he wanted me to be his mountain manager. He wanted me to be, you know, the backbone of it all. And he would go get the venues, the contracts, the sponsors, and he'd bring the money to the table and, and I'd build it and, and make it, make it run. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit and then he hunted me down at a Donnie Vincent film up in Denver. He saw my face or on my Facebook or Instagram page that I was going to be there. And so he hauled ass from Salt Lake and caught me there and basically handed me a proposal of coming on board with him and partnering with him. And so I was like, well, this is that's pretty cool. Like, you know, we talked a little bit about his vision of making this new archery, 3D archery event. And, um, and I kind of saw an opportunity to make some changes from what I had learned at TAC basically. And at some of these other archery shoots I was going to on how to build what I felt was the most ideal 3d archery event. And, you know, we didn't get a couple months into that. And, and my wife, my wife was a little hesitant. You know, he promised me some decent cash flow. Um, but she was a little hesitant and I was too, but then I figured, you know, I'm going to go for it. Uh, Wilderness Attitude podcast wasn't really generating any income. I've been trying to monetize it for years. 
wasn't working out. So I thought, well, you know, this is a cash flow opportunity. I'm going to jump at it. So uh, we didn't get a couple months into it. And the next thing I know, um, this gentleman gave me a call and told me that he was out. I had basically ordered $60,000 worth of foam from Kirsch Hunting uh, on a handshake. It was already on a shipping container in the middle of the ocean. It was on its way here. Um, I had leveraged all of the relationships that I had built in Wilderness Attitude uh, to begin building some infrastructure to our event, uh, sponsorship-wise, um, getting the right help on board to help me do what I wanted to do. And, um, and long story short, you know, it's just one of those things where it turned into a little bit of a debacle. Um, he stepped away. He had gotten both of his knees done right shortly after we had met and he ended up pretty much getting hooked on, you know, shit. And he needed to go check himself in and save his marriage, save his family, save himself. And so, you know, I kind of was like with the utmost respect, I wished him, you know, the best. And he basically signed everything we had over to me. And uh, I came back to my wife and said, OK, uh, looks like we're sole ownership of this deal. And, uh, you know, I can either become a 3D foam broker here in a couple of weeks or we can do an event. <laughs> and um, so. You know, I started reaching out to the to the properties. The, we had four properties. We were going to go to Snowball, Arizona, Brian Head, Utah, um, Durango, Colorado, Purgatory, and Angel Fire, New Mexico. Okay, we were basically going to call it a Four Corners Mountain Shoot. Was basically what it was going to be. And um, long story short. Went back, begged my wife to come on board and help me. She didn't want to see me fail. Her, my kids that were all still living at home, 11-year-old um, boy, two 14-year-old boys, a um, 17-year-old daughter, 26-year-old um, daughter. And we basically tackled this whole thing. And next thing I know, I really didn't. We were selling registration for Angel Fire, but I didn't even have a contract. They didn't even really want us there. He told me we already had it. We didn't. Um, he told me I, we already had the one in Arizona. We didn't. I couldn't afford it. So we stuck with Brian Head and we stuck with Durango and we put it together and we started marketing it, building a website and going for it. And, uh, you know, in our first year, we got snowed out of Brian Head. They told, I asked for another date. They told me to lawyer up. I ended up finding Shane Gadbaugh, who's the owner of Eagle Point and Jimmy uh, McDowell, the GM there. And they said we had 26 days to put that shoot on and we did it. We moved it and we did it. But I had to refund half of the registration I'd already had. Same with Purgatory. We were supposed to hold it Memorial weekend. Two weeks before that, there was still six foot of snow on the mountain. So we had to reschedule it for July. Um, lost half my registration for it. Um, but you know, me and my three sons, 11-year-old and two 14-year-olds, we put up 160 pieces of foam on each one of those mountains. My wife did merch and registration. My mom came on board and helped out. My oldest daughter jumped in. I had a couple dudes that I knew here in Durango. One, Maurice Howarder, he kind of reached forward and was like, dude, I'll go. 
Like I'm all in, dude, I want this. This sounds badass. Let's go. And so, you know, I just began to with, you know, with the family and a couple good friends, man, we made a go of it our first year and, you know, we lost our ass. Um, but what I can tell you was, is that when we built those courses and we built that event and the dream that I had in the, in my mind and in my heart, it was there. It was there. Everybody who came was like, this is special. Like this is, this is amazing. You know, um, your course designs, your themes, your courses, your train to hunt, you know, your, you know, your athletic piece to the, to the event is killer. Um, you know, even though we had only a couple hundred people show up and we build mountains and I mean, from day one, we've built mountains that can host 500 people a day. And our first year we had a couple hundred people at each one. So I mean, it was like having your own personal 3d courses, dude, there was no one around you. No one in front of you, no one behind you. Doesn't matter where you shot. It was beautiful. It was awesome. So, you know, that's a, kind of a long story to how we got here, to how we got started. Um, and, uh, you know, I've just never looked back since then. I just, I felt, I felt it. I felt it was right. I was told it was right by the right people. And from there, dude, I just, you know, you guys, I just kept building it up. I just kept going. And, um, you know, now we're rounding into our fifth year. Um, you know, we had two locations the first year, three the second, four the third, fifth the fourth. And now we're jumping straight to seven in our fifth. Um, you know, we're rounding the corner. You know, we made it through COVID. Um I mean, I almost got shut down by Sam. I'll tell you a funny story. I almost got shut down by San Juan Basin Health and at, per, at Durango in Purgatory, Colorado. San Juan Basin Health Department came up to shut me down on this mountain. And she came up and she was just like, you know, I heard you have 550 people up here. I said, yes, I do. And she's like, well, there's nowhere big enough to put 550 people. I looked at the square footage of every building here. There's no rooms big enough to have them there. And I said, lady, we, we don't do an event inside. I got 2,000 acres. We ain't talking square feet. <laughs> They're all on this mountain. And she was like, what? Oh. Then she was like, oh, but they're all getting on the lift together, like closer than six feet. And I was like, and they're all family. They all signed up together. They're all, you know, so I was kind of lying out my ass a little bit, some degree, but everybody <laughs> that was there wanted to be there and they didn't give a crap about COVID pandemic they didn't give a crap they knew it was bullshit so uh, so we had a killer event anyway and and the show went on that's awesome did you guys feel a hit like was during covid did you see that numbers went down or were you guys continuing to just grow no we like the hunting industry as a whole just grew yeah no we grew we grew um it, we never slowed down i mean we had an event each year um, and our numbers continue to come up, you know, 30, 40% in registrants every year at each event. Um, so no, it didn't, you know, it, it just cost us money in our bottom line. You know, we had to put hand sanitizers all over the mountains. We couldn't, you know, how we fed people and all that stuff was a pain in the ass. And, um, you know, because unfortunately these ski resorts, um, they still, 
you know, fell underneath all these rules and all these regs. They were watched like crazy. I mean, because that was that was one place of contention that really got watched because as soon as they realized everybody was going outside and where they were going, hell, in the wintertime, they were all going skiing. I mean, big time. So these places were getting scrutinized and watched like crazy. Um, and it just carried. And then so that hype and that dynamic that was pushed on to all these all these employees and ownership carried over in the summertime, you know. Mm. Um, but then like we start, we got a new venue up at Lookout Mountain up. Uh, uh, it's basically half in Idaho, half in Montana. You know, we went up there and they were like, they didn't give two shits. Um that, that was a little resort up in a little bit of nowhere. They were like, no one's coming here. <laughs> like, we do what we want up here. Um, so we kind of had a good one. It went, it went over well. You know, I'm, I can't complain. That's awesome. I mean, it it does speak volume. I mean, COVID just as a whole, obviously, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. We've had podcasts on that. But just it was such nonsense. But in a lot of ways, it was – really good i mean i think that was the first year in some crazy amount of years 50 years or so that hunting license sales across the board across the nation actually went up i mean i think we've seen an increase out west over the past few years but you know that's just more eastern hunters coming out west but the actual aggregate number of hunters increased which was great to see and i think more people got more mindful of like oh shit, these shelves could go away, you know, in the grocery stores, like there's meat shortages. Maybe I need to have a deer or two, or at least the ability to go get one if I needed to. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, I think that that was, I mean, I saw our business fitness and, you know, hunting and hunting apparel, like everybody loved it. And so just, that really helps take us from just this being a hobby to me being like, oh, wait, this is actually a real business. And so, you know, I think that that's, was one of the good positives that came out of it was a mindfulness that a lot of people got. And then I think we saw industry, our industry specifically really take off. Yeah. You know, here, dude, like that first, um, that first Turkey, that spring, that first spring Turkey in 20, 20 or 21, 20, dude, it was like, there was a hundred fold the people in the woods. It was insane. Um, it, it went, it was just bizarre. Um, it, and the amount of new hunters was incredible. Like I'd be talking to people. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's our first time ever turkey hunting. I'm like, holy crap. You know, and with new kids, new women, um, like it was, it was a big change, you know, whether it was driven by meat shortages or driven by, you know, cabin fever, if you will, either way. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was an epic rise across the country for sure. I mean, I saw it in my honey holes. I mean, like I had places where I'd go and I might see every year, I might see two other trucks there. And I come out one morning and there was like 20 trucks in this parking lot. And I was just like, holy crap. Um, and of course the game warden's there and he's just like, whoa. <laughs> trying to, he's trying to catch up with the idea as well. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was a, it was a game changer. Um, I think some outdoor stuff really boomed. I mean, we grew, um, but I'll be honest, like I hesitated somewhat in my marketing efforts in those years because I almost didn't want the attention. I wanted it to kind of creep out and who, if you knew, you knew, you know, but yeah, I didn't sure. want to, I mean, I was doing radio stuff in every town, you know, our second year, like I was, 
I was really trying to broadcast who we were and what we were doing. And when, when that came around in that third year, I was like, Nope, like I'm not, I'm not putting myself out there because the problem was that I put myself out there and I'd say a bunch of stuff that would get me in trouble because I was one of those <laughs> complete antis. I'd spurt something out on public radio and <laughs> Lord knows who'd be hunting my ass down from NPR. So it was like, you know, uh, so it was a, it was a different time, you know, but now, um, you know, now we're around that in our fifth year, things are going awesome. And, you know, now, you know, coming into being able to form relationships like with HLE here, you know, and getting to meet you guys and what we're going to do this summer, you know, finally now, I mean, I had trained to hunt coming into that third year, uh, but he was a, Kenton was a school teacher, a principal and a PE teacher at a private school in Oregon and like, dude, or yeah, in Oregon. And he got, I mean, like, he was like, there's no way, like, I can't believe you're going to do this. You know, like I, this is bad. And, um, and so he couldn't come. Uh, and so we kind of lost that element to our, to our shoot. Um, you know, and I was telling Jake the last week in a podcast too, that, you know, I lost that element in my shoot. And I lost that element in myself. You know, I can't, I can't express to people how much math is a, is a extension of who I am. And, you know, I'm just, I'm super excited for our relationship coming forward um, this year in Georgia and in purgatory with you guys to set up this awesome, you know, challenge that we're doing because you know, it's, it's going to bring back that element that I've been missing for a couple of years, you know, and I just finally got back in the gym again. I mean, I really, I went and did this run in October and it whooped my ass and I was super inspired while I was there. And so I came back home and in mid November, I decided I was going to start 75 hard and, and, you know, and, and from there I just haven't looked back and now, and then like getting to meet you guys, you know, Luke and Garrett, you guys are, are, you know, feeding my desire for me to be better and to have this competition stuff. And, you know, I was at archery league last night and shoot, there was three people there last night who competed in my train to hunt event at purgatory, um, three years ago. And I was telling them about what you guys were doing. And they're like, sweet, man. Like, yes. You know, like we're glad that there's something coming back like that because you know, they're all a little bit like, yay, uh, crap. I'm out of shape. Um, but <laughs> me you know, too. Don't worry. <laughs> it gives everybody, a, a, it gives everybody something to kind of aspire to and, and to make themselves better. Cause I'm a firm believer. Like I mentioned before, you know, when, when my, when I physically got better, my hunting got better hands down. Well, the timing of Rome, Georgia, too, is going to be perfect to wake all of our asses up for uh, to get in shape before September rolls back around. Yeah, it's a good start to the season. You know, it's earlier than most people where I live because, I mean, dude, we're going to be still in thaw mode here in the tundra, the Arctic tundra we're in around here. You know, like, I mean, we literally leave in three weeks to hit the road to go to our event, which is, you know, what, 27 days, twenty eight days away, right? Or 21 yep. days away. God, please don't say 21. 
Um, no, I think we got it. We got four weeks. Yeah, four weeks till the kickoff. Four so change. Four weeks from today, we will be open for business in Rome, Georgia, at Kingston Downs, and you know, I'm excited to get out of here. Let it thaw. Let mud season do its thing without me, and I'm stoked to be heading for Georgia. And then after that, heading up to to Pennsylvania, I'm excited. So I'm, you know, I'm starting to get the itchy finger. Um, so we'll see how it all starts shaking down here. We're 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 crunch time around here right now. Like me, I'm crunch time in contracts, finishing up services across the country from porta pies to food trucks to making sure that the chefs gonna have hors d'oeuvres for Saturday Night Social and like I mean you can't imagine the amount of stuff uh, that goes into putting just one of these events on, let alone seven of them across the country, and especially when you're adding new ones because. You know, then there's two new events of completely new communication and training I have to do with the people around there of like what we do and what our needs are and what we expect, right, from each other in the relationships. And so, um, so it's a little nerve wracking right now, gentlemen, to say the least. So, um, as soon as I fire I, up that semi and push the air brakes in, dude, it's like, yeah, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine just trying to get it our ass is ready for, you know, everything. We got our plan pretty well locked in for what the challenge is going to look like Saturday morning, which I'm very excited about. But then even I'm like, oh man, I got to get this list of materials, which is way smaller, obviously, than what you got to get. But it's, it definitely creeps up on you quick. I think you just saying that I was like, shit, that is four weeks away. I better order all this stuff, get it in. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we got to get, cause this will be our first outdoor event. We just started events this year with expos. And so we've got our, inside deal pretty well dialed but now i'm like you know we need tents we need canopies we need you know extra tables like all that so that'll be yeah, what my project this week is it's a whole another realm of preparedness right you know making sure you got 50 pound sandbags for every corner of your tent and you know and you, i mean and you got your rain gear you got i mean there's just your personal shit you need to have outside and then there's your business shit you got to have for outside and there's everything else you need to have for all your registrants for outside. And it's, it is dude. It's a whole nother, it's a whole nother realm of, um, of event planning. Um, you know, but, uh, um, you guys will rise to the occasion. You guys have been impressing me with how you guys detail, how you guys execute. So I think, you know, you guys probably, you won't have any issues at all. I don't think. No, I mean, it's a pretty direct translation to what I've been doing for the last 10 years, planning fitness events. So like, it's, it is a little different. I was thinking like when I was writing my mitigation, we were going to ice sheet them. I was like, man, we probably need a waiver <laughs> or something. Their consent yeah. to let us, and we're going to get somebody and hit them with ice sheets, drop their core temp 15 degrees and then get a lawsuit. So we probably, I need to talk to a, law a lawyer, um, you know, if, if somebody goes down for heat or whatever, but no, I mean, just overall, it's, I'm excited as hell. I think that, you know, from my understanding so far, just interacting with you and just the culture surrounding math, I'm just, I think it fits in perfectly with HLE and what, what we're about and what we're doing, which is extremely community-based, you know, and, you know, you were talking about everybody camps on site, you've got, you know, fires and pint nights and, you know, socials and all this stuff. It's the community more than it is show up, shoot, leave, you know, with your little core group of guys. And then it's, it's getting to know everybody across the board. And that's what I think I'm the most excited about. That's what I've loved about the events is just meeting like-minded, cool ass people. And I think, you know, math's just going to do that. And it's lighting a fire in my ass. Cause I'm sitting here, like, I'm just, 
I'm like, I need to lose 15 pounds before math because it's like, I can't be the fat guy running the fitness challenge. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you know, I, I quit, I quit drinking. Like I'm got my diet dialed in. I'm working out every day, getting my ass into the cold plunge, like just doing everything because it's an accountability thing, you know? And it's, yeah. it's easy. And I think, and I know you felt this too, is when you're doing like a small business, it just consumes everything and you yeah. just forget to take the time to go do that hour workout or take 30 minutes to go do that workout. It just, the day gets away from you. And that's what I'm really working on now. And this is motivating for me to make sure I'm dialing my shit in. So I think it's going to be very, very cool. And what I would do is just everybody, um, you know, get on Matt's website, mountainarcherifest.com and check out and see where, you know, they're doing a shoot near you guys and definitely come out to the Kingston Downs in Rome, uh, the 21st, to the 23rd, because HLE is going to be set up. You're going to be able to meet me, uh, Carter's going to be there. Perry's going to be there. Garrett's going to be there. Uh, Chad, like the whole crew. So we're going to have a, a great turnout and we're doing that challenge and it's going to be absolutely badass. So I'm, I'm super stoked. And uh, I think it's going to be cool to just continue to watch this grow out. And I think the East has needed something like there isn't a whole lot of Eastern events, uh, in 3d. like, if there are, they're all real localized. So I think some badass challenge is going to be cool. Yeah, I agree. You know, I've done enough market research in the East that, you know, tax got a few things sprinkled out there. But aside from that, it's your local shooting clubs, your local shooting um, uh, organizations, your state stuff. And then really from there, it's all like ASA. You know, I mean, ASA is huge um, in the East and the South. Um, you know, and that's and that's an awesome event. Don't get me wrong. It's, you know, but it's all competitive. It's 100% competitive. Um you know, our mountains are set up with uh, five courses. Uh, they're all for fun. They're all recreational for any ability, age, discipline. And then, of course, we do have the Mountain Madness Comp on Saturday. And then we are going to have the HLE, you know, comp. Um, you know, so there are bits and pieces that feed to, you know, to the competitors, right? But then there's also these courses that are just amazing. Our world record course, um, exotics course a Western hunter course. And then of course our extreme course. And, um, you know, and it gives you a great variety of fun stuff and targets you've never seen. I mean, I bring targets in from Austria that I promise you people in the South have never seen. I'm bringing targets in this year for the exotics course from South Africa. Um, they're bad ass. Um, I mean, even I've been in the 3d world for a while and I get my hands on these targets and I'm like, damn, that is cool. Like super cool targets, you know, um, blue wildebeests and, you know, and aardvarks and, you know, just stuff that, you know, that you've never, ever seen a 12 foot alligator that was actually formed out even by an actual cast of a real alligator. I mean, it's dude, it's wicked. Um, and so, you know, we've got, we got something for everybody and that's what makes us, you know, in, a community-based event, a family event. We got kids course. Um, we got disc flying, disc shooting, killer novelty stuff to do. The bow for giants is awesome. It's a ten-foot long bow, shoots sixty-inch arrows. I mean, there's it, it. It's like shooting a catapult-style bow. Um, it doesn't matter how old you are, dude. That thing brings the kid out in you. I mean, it's just it's just awesome. So like. You know, it's one of those things that we have so much fun. Uh, you know, our mountain is there for you to come shoot. Come bring your bow. Come bring your friends. Come bring your family. Bring your kids. Come and shoot with us. 
And then, of course, in the nighttime, we got a little bit of education and some seminars at some locations. Um, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a cornhole tournament on Friday, followed by stories and s'mores. We're after cornhole's done. We have some beers doing that, throw some bags, win some stuff. Um, then we turn around and we do stories and s'mores, and we usually have a guest speaker. We have we hand out s'mores to do, and we chill out a little bit. And then Saturday's our big comp day and recreational day. And then, you know, and then we have a shoot off after the Mountain Madness comp, which is cool. And then we start our evening social at six o'clock. And I mean, we've got more silent auction and live auction stuff. I mean, let's put it this way: I'm giving away about six thousand dollars a weekend worth of stuff every event. And then my year-end prizes are sitting right about $30,000 at the end of the year of stuff we're giving away. I mean, we've got something for everybody. we got kids-specific hunts. We've got, I mean, it, it's, it's we, we, we label it as the most complete 3D archery event in the USA because it is, plain and simple. So, you know, once you show up and you come to one of our events, you'll be back. 100% guaranteed you'll be back. No, I'm stoked. I think I think the relationship's perfect for us for where we're at and, you know, being able to grow with Mountain Archery Fest. And, you know, I'm just I'm already looking forward now that, you know, I've solidified the planning for just got to do the resourcing. But for, you know, this year for the uh, Rome and Purgatory shoots, my, you know, me and you are kind of the same way. We're 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 head guys. And so, like, my my mind's already going 100 miles an hour for where we can take this and with the fitness challenge and, and doing different stuff. And it's just it's cool. And, you know, we want to have some sort of like national competitive aspect of it. You know, I don't nothing's really, you know, uh, in detail yet, but just really trying to incentivize folks to go to multiple events for qualifications for like a bigger event. Like, I think that would be really cool. And there's just so many options and opportunities. I think the sky's the limit for for what we can do. And, you know, like I said, the, the fit's perfect and it's awesome. I, we just need more of this stuff. I think that that's the biggest thing that our society is lacking these days is camaraderie and community and that sense of tribe. And that's really why I started Hunt, Lift, Eat. And, you know, math fits in perfectly with that is, you know, grab your, your folks, go out, hit the mountain, have a good, hard physical day, come back, you know, enjoy some beers, some camaraderie, meet some new folks, throw some bags, eat some food and you know maybe win a hunt or two or you know a bow or whatever i mean like exactly. it's just that's a that sounds like a pretty badass weekend to me heck yeah garrett's over there nodding his head yeah baby let's go hell yeah <laughs> can't wait it's, it's gonna be, be hard for me to keep, keep garrett in the booth and not on the mountain he's gonna be sneaking <laughs> off every chance he gets to get up there and start shooting i swear i'm just going to the bathroom i'll be right back luke i'll be right back Garrett. three hours later Whew, that was a hard push <laughs> yeah <laughs> why does garrett keep taking his bow to the shitters you can find us on our website www.mountainarcherifest.com you can catch us up on instagram and facebook and um if you want to follow me personally i'm brandon waddell underscore on instagram and um you know that's kind of the that's the gist of what we're doing who we are i mean we've got location in georgia Granton, Pennsylvania, two locations in Utah, one up north, one south, one in southwestern Colorado, one in the middle of the Bighorns in Wyoming, and then way up one up in northern Montana. And, um, and you know, and I'm actually looking at a couple more places back east while we're going to be back there. So um, I'll be driving past one of them on the way to Scranton, and then uh, I got another one past Scranton up in the middle of the 
top of the country up there. I'm going to go check out. So, you know, we're, we're looking to, we're looking to grow. And if anybody's listening and you know, a great place, a location where we're not at someplace we can be hit me up. And then uh, obviously we're always looking for volunteers, you guys. So we got a great volunteer program for every eight hours you put in, you earn a free day of shooting. And we got stuff from setup, which takes about eight hours, tear down, same. Then we got little two hour or three hour segments across the scope of our event. Um, we got killer Sasquatch map, volunteer shirt and stickers. Um, if you're on setup or teardown crew, we feed you as well. And uh, it's a great community. So if you're a little bit behind on, on some funds and you want to shoot, come give us a little bit of your time and we'll get you on the mountain. So, um, you know, I look forward to anybody and everybody reach out to us and let's, uh, we invite everyone to come have some fun. Hell yeah. What do you got, Garrett? Uh, not a lot. Just, I'm really looking forward to getting down there to Rome, Georgia this year and, uh, just having a good damn good time. I'm, uh, I'll work the booth a little bit, but I'm going to be sneaking away and at least shooting the world record course, I think. So. Hell yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I, I expect nothing less. I want everybody that's working it to get out, cycle up the mountain, help out wherever, and then go have some fun. That's what it's all about. Um, you know, everybody that's listening, especially our folks in the Southeast, right? Like in order to keep bringing these types of opportunities to the South and the Southeast, like I'm a Southeastern boy, you know, at heart and we need more of this stuff. So definitely go out, go sign up, pre-register, go over to the website, sign up for Rome. I know we have a ton of our listeners, probably about a quarter of them that are from, from the South. So even if you get to drive a little while, that's all right. Come hang out in camp with the HLE boys, come hang out with Brandon, meet everybody, do the shoot, have a great weekend. So that's, that's what we need from you guys. Uh, we, we also need you guys to leave us a uh, review what, wherever you're listening, uh, Spotify, Apple, regardless, we're getting close to a hundred, a uh, hundred reviews. So on each one, so please drop those. Let's get us to a hundred on each. We really, really need that. Uh, but as always, we appreciate the hell out of everything you guys do. Thank you. Don't be a hoe. Go 